0: Good morning. I'm Steve Howard. I'm one of the teaching pastors here today. We're going to be taking a look at John chapter 13. If you have a smart device, you can just pop that open to the Bible app and it will take you right there. If you choose live event or you can open up your Bible and just look at John 13, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, fourth book, New Testament, you know, two thirds the way back in the book, you'll find that, uh, that gospel. Let's uh, pray before we begin. Lord, tough subject. Pastor Dion calls this the the shy virtue. When you begin to talk about it, it leaves the room. Humility. Help us to unpack this truth, Lord. Not just to gain in wisdom, but to gain in life. A better understanding of you, the value of you in my life, and the value of your life in me. And how it can be a powerful, transformative virtue for me and also for others as they observe you working through my life. Lord, help everybody to put aside themselves and silly notions about where we stand on the scale and rather just bathe in your grace, in your glory, and find our strength not in our gifts our abilities, because they are that, gifts, abilities given by you to us, no reason for us to brag or or feel insecure about them. But bless us, Lord, that we might be a blessing. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all those assembled be faithful. To you, O oh Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about this uh, virtue as displayed in the life of this living legend, Jesus, for he is not dead, he is risen, he is risen indeed, hallelujah. This living legend, Jesus, who demonstrated these qualities, and uh, as we move through this series... Uh, I'm, I'm loving it. I, I love to learn more about Christ. I love to learn more about these virtues and how they change my life and how they're available to me. But there's a danger also in this series of, uh, of studying the virtues of Christ with no point except to know more. Uh, I think there are four dangers in this series as we learn that Jesus was... Uh, participating in acts of greatness and therefore he can still do acts of greatness in my life or he was extremely focused or last week he was especially compassionate and we begin to say well he was that i'm a mirror of him therefore i must be that and the same with humility we turn this place into a schoolroom. i become a teacher you become a student it's like driving by any grade school that you might drive by in west county and you'll see on their sign the virtue for the week trust you know they're teaching about trust in there today and and they're going to learn more about that subject but i tend to believe that the world will not be changed because christians know more just really won't it's not what you know Uh, christians know more than they do now it's how we apply how we appropriate these values in our life that will change the world or that we would make this uh Uh, A lesson in in the greatness of Christ. And you would leave here having greater awe, greater appreciation for Jesus. Now, as a Christian person, I happen to believe that Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. You know, God walking on the face of the earth. That he was born of a virgin. That he was uh, crucified for my sins and that he was raised again on the third day. I mean, if he was God, what need do I have, you know, from my perspective of convincing you that he is great because he was also humble. You know, he's God. You can't make him greater than that. You know, so for you to leave just saying, yep, that was Jesus, yeah, he's something, I I don't think that's going to impact your life greatly. Or we could turn the lesson into another good rule for you to apply in life, you know, a, a moralism, that if you do this, then you'll somehow think that you qualify more for God's favor in your life so that you begin to think that God's favor is somehow connected to uh, your faithfulness you know if you do well he will bless you if you don't you know he will withhold his blessing and it becomes more about acquiring god's favor rather than realizing that you have god's favor because he died for you and you are forgiven and you are made perfectly acceptable without doing a thing or that you could leave the church feeling worse than when you came i've seen many Young mothers do that, you know, who fight their child throughout worship, and they leave saying, "Pastor, you know, I, I don't know why I come to church. You know, I have less faith when I leave than when I come." You know, I'm fighting this child, and I say, "Yeah, but you're teaching that child something you're willing to fight for," you know, and uh, they're picking that up, you know, even by your frustration. Uh, but sometimes when we teach about these virtues of Jesus, and we say he was the epitome of humility, you walk out saying, "Man, I am so lost. I am so not humble." Compared to Jesus, well, of course, Jesus was perfect. You are far from that. So these are the dangers, I think, in talking about these virtues as displayed in Christ who was perfect in all things and we are not. You have to remember that all of God's truth was given for our benefit. In fact, in in my men's Bible study that meets every Wednesday morning, just a great bunch of guys, uh, uh, a great sharing of um, the application of God's word in our life, uh, we were talking this week about this understanding that uh, you know, all scripture is inspired by God for our good, and uh, I re- recalled that passage that I think has been pivotal for me in understanding uh, the nature of the scripture, the nature of truth in my life. When Jesus asked those who questioned him about his disciples, you know, who were picking grain and eating it on the Sabbath day, they were traveling on the Sabbath day, they were doing so many things wrong on the Sabbath day, and Jesus said, let me just ask you a question. Was the Sabbath made for man or was man made for the Sabbath? I think for a lot of pastors and for a lot of Christians, we begin to think after a while that we were made for the Sabbath, that, you know, the Sabbath is God's standard and we are made to honor God by keeping all of his laws. But through that question, Jesus was saying just the opposite all of god's truth not just the sabbath but all of his word is given for you that's kind of a paradox in truth because what is good for you is also pleasing to god and so what is pleasing to god is also good for you but the motive is important god gave us these values these virtues these expectations for our good not just so that we could somehow please him and And be a faithful representation of the Christian faith. It's so clear in the words of Jesus. These things have been written, the evangelist John said, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing in Him, how's that finish? You may have life in His name. By believing in Him, He wants to give you something. He wants to give you a full life in His name. You know, it doesn't say that by believing in Him, you will honor Him. By believing in Him, you know, you will attain salvation. No, by believing in Him and by applying all that He has taught you, your life will be made more full. And that's what God wants for you. In fact, it even becomes more clear in Jesus' own words, recorded in John 10, verse 10, when He said, I have come that you may have life, And have it abundantly or have it to the full is how the NIV translates that. You know, this is why these virtues and values are taught. For your benefit, for your edification, which also certainly changes the world, which also certainly honors God. But his primary concern is to be a blessing to you, to be a blessing to you, to be a blessing in this life and in life eternal. He is all about you. And so these virtues aren't just a heavy load that we're about to drop on you uh, so that you can somehow do better or be better, you know, honor the family name in some way. Well, having made that disclaimer, (laughs) let's go to John chapter 13. There's 17 verses here, but I'm going to go old school on you today. I'm going to read them all and, and then just jump off and make a few points, you know, drawing them out of that text. Now, before the feast of the Passover... This is critical. Jesus knowing that his hour had come and that he would depart out of the world and go back to the Father. That's the context. Jesus knowing that it was about done. And he was about headed home to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during the supper, the devil was having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. Again, verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come forth from God and was returning back to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, girded himself with that towel, wrapped it around in his waist, and he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that he had wrapped around his waist. And so he came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, will you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said, what I do, you do not realize now, but you will understand it later. Peter said, never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered and said, if I do not wash you, you have no part in me. Simon Peter said, Lord, then not just my feet only, but my head and my hands. Jesus said, the one who is bathed needs only to be washed in his feet, but uh, is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. So kind of a mixed metaphor there, talking deeper than just physical washing. For he knew the one who was going to betray him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. And so when he had washed his feet, he took back his garments and he reclined again at table and said to them, do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. And if I then, your Lord and teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done. Truly I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, neither is one who is sent greater than the one who sends him. Verse 17, our last verse, the really important application verse. If you know these things, how's it go? You are blessed if you do these things. Thus far, the reading. Notice point number one, drawn out of the text Jesus was fully aware that his victory was near. You know, we just sang A Mighty Fortress Is Our God, written by uh, Martin Luther, of course, during the Great Reformation. Luther had incredible courage in incredible ability uh, as a monk from very very humble background in a very very obscure place in the world still obscure to this day more obscure in his day to dominate the world thinking uh, at a day when he didn't have communication at his hands like we do i mean how did the whole world you know begin to turn around the little village of wittenberg but it did even the holy roman emperor knew his name Now, even the Pope knew his name. Why? Where did he get such courage? From the cross. Once he realized it was not about him, it was about God, he had incredible strength, incredible power. You know, uh, a person who is humble, a person who realizes it's not about them, and God is in this thing, has incredible power. Secure people can afford to be humble. Jesus was secure. In verse 1 it says, He knew His hour had come and He was about to depart to the Father. You know, He knew what was going to happen. This was not unknown to Him. He was, he was not worried about the future. He knew what the future was. In verse 3 it says it again, Jesus, knowing that His Father had given all things into His hand and He had come from God and was about to return to God, You know, on the basis of what he knew about the Father, he had the ability to be extremely humble. Almost always a humble person is a secure person. Insecure people can't afford to be humble. You know, they're insecure. They're constantly pushing themselves forward. They don't have a sense that they are valuable. And so they try to convince you as they try to convince themselves that they are really something. Humble people don't think less of themselves. They just think of themselves less. Humble people don't think less of themselves. Jesus didn't think less of himself. Martin Luther didn't think less of himself. He knew that God could do incredible things. Jesus knew he was headed back to the Father. He knew his mission was almost complete. You know, those who understand what God has done for you in the cross... Have no doubt the depth of God's love for you. Have no doubt what God is capable of doing for you. And in that knowledge, you have power. You have incredible focus and commitment. Because it's not about you. It's about God's love for you. So, perfect love casts out fear, it says. You know, perfect knowledge of what God has done for you, you know, takes away the fear. You know... He who did not spare His own Son but gave Him up for us all, will He not along with that freely give us all things? What have you to fear? You know, Martin Luther's uh, inspiration for that great song, A Mighty Fortress Is Our God, which we sang earlier, was Psalm uh, 118, many people say. And in that psalm, he says, um, The Lord is for me, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who will help me. Therefore, I shall look with satisfaction upon those who try to destroy me. You know, I have no fear because God is with me. Out of that security of your relationship, see, this isn't just about a value, a virtue that you need to learn. It's about the way God loves you. And out of that comes confidence to face things in life. Comes also the ability to say it's not about me. It's about God working in me. Point number two. The truth and power associated with humility is not easy to grasp. You know, when he came to Peter, he said, Lord, will you wash my feet? Jesus said, What I am about to do, you do not understand. You will understand it later. You know, as, as Pastor Dion said, you know, before I walked out here, we were talking because he's preaching the late service. You know, he said, It's the shy virtue. When you begin to talk about humility, it leaves the room. It's like Marget, Margaret Thatcher, who, you know, the former prime minister of England who just passed recently. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I love to study of great people, and, and she said uh, being a leader and being a lady are kind of the same thing. If you have to tell people you are, you probably aren't, you know. And, and it's kind of like that with humility, you know. If, if you have to tell people you're humble, you probably aren't humble. Uh, John Dixon wrote a book about this uh, called Humilitas. Uh, John Dixon is not a leadership uh, ceo kind of guy writing leadership books john dixon is a historian and so it was kind of an interesting book for him to write humilitas talking about the value of humility and he was talking about it from a historic point of view he said the great leaders in history have always been humble people the greatest leaders somebody has said humility won't make you great but it makes the great greater humility isn't the key to greatness but the greatest people have it in spades he uh, jokingly said uh, in his preface to his book, he, he said, I, I, I thought I would subtitle the book uh, Humility and How I, gained, and how I uh, Achieved It. And he thought you know, that, would, that would prove his point right there. And one of his friends says, uh, uh, I could write um, an endorsement for your book saying John has the necessary distance from the subject matter uh, to be objective about it. Humilitas, humility, as he defines it, is this. The noble choice to forego your own status, deploy your resources and your influence for the good of others around you. To forego your own status. Man, does that apply to Jesus? Who by very nature was God, yet did not count equality with God a thing to be possessed, a thing to be shown, a thing to be pushed in people's face. You know, people didn't. Constantly come into contact with a, a bully who had divine power who could prove it any time. Jesus said, Peter, this is going to be hard for you to understand. But later you will come to grasp it. To receive God's blessing, Peter needed to set aside his pride. Verse 8. You know, Peter said, then... Uh, Shall you wash my feet? He says, if you do not allow me to do this for you, you have no part in me. At first, Peter allowed Jesus the ability to serve him. You know, I don't want to need you, Jesus. Other people need you. You don't have to do this for me. It almost sounds noble, doesn't it? I'm not important enough for you, God. You know, take care of others. I would rather suffer loss than make demands upon my Lord. But in fact, you know, if we do not make demands upon our Lord, if we do not say, Lord, I am nothing, and Lord, I need you, I need the forgiveness that you offer, I need your help in my life, there's a certain pride in that that keeps God at a distance and makes it impossible for us to be called his child. If you do not allow for Jesus to wash you, if you do not admit your need for him, you have no part in him. It's called grace. I once heard uh, Pastor Rosine, who was a pastor here in the '50s. He was a good friend of mine, and and uh, has retired and and moved off uh, to Wisconsin to care for uh, his family. Um, he once said, and I never forgot it, as I heard him preach one time back in the day. He said, "The only person God can't fill with His blessing is a person already full of themselves." Never forgot it, you know. If you're full of yourself, what need? Do you have of Jesus? Is there room for Him in your life? Uh, my wife and I went uh, the other night to uh, uh, to the Fox. Love the Fox. Try to find reasons to go to the Fox that you know will also be enjoyable. I could just sit in that room and and just enjoy the room myself. But we went down and saw the Million Dollar uh, Quartet. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's kind of an interesting film. It's about a night in December fourth, nineteen fifty six, when. Uh, Four greats all came together because Sam Phillips had been their producer. He had brought them from obscurity. Elvis Presley was driving a truck. You know, uh, Carl Perkins was a farmer. Jerry Lee Lewis was nobody from nowhere. Johnny Cash was never heard of before. You know, he brought all of these people uh, their first big hit by Sun Records. You know, uh, Sun Records, as it's displayed in in the film, but as you may already know, was a, a, a small, small little production studio in Memphis, Tennessee. It had been an auto parts store. And uh, they all became great there. They all went on to greater things. And they went on to Columbia and RCA and everything else. And Sam Phillips just stayed there with his little his little sound studio. But at, at one place, you know, they were all there that night. The only time that they were all together. And, and it's a story about that night. And at one time, Carl Perkins's You know, we know, Sam, and we will never forget that when we came to you, uh, the only thing beneath us was dirt. You know, there was nobody else lower than we were. And I I think what a great attitude to think about Jesus, you know. The only thing beneath us is dirt. You know, Jesus has made us great. You know, uh, we have to accept that in our life before we can do anything great to extend God's blessings to others peter also needed to set aside his pride verses 12 and 15 when he had washed his feet and taken back his garments he reclined at his table and he said do you know what i've done for you if i lord and teacher have washed your feet you also ought to wash each other's feet you know I, i've displayed something to you that will make your lives powerful powerful not only to receive this gift in your life but to let this gift in your life be seen by others to continue the chain to continue to change other lives it's just required humility is not optional and it displays itself uh, the lack of humility displays itself in a couple of ways Uh, I'm a great reader of biographies and life stories and Norman Vincent Peale who was a great Uh, American uh, an inspiration to many uh, really tried to bring the gospel into the business world and and that was his whole purpose in life misunderstood by many Christians uh, because he taught uh, godly values to help businessmen be successful so that he could have a talk with them about Jesus you know a great way to do it Uh, one time he was speaking at Madison Square Gardens and he was very intimidated and and and, uh, fearful to go out there which is unusual for him and uh, he, he disclosed that to his wife and his wife says, "Well, let's come over here to pray about it," and and so they knelt down and and his wife put her hand on his shoulder and said, "Dear Jesus, remove the sinful pride from my husband because he's thinking too much about himself and not what you wanting to do today." You know, <laughs> wow, thanks, wife, for praying for me. You know, <laughs> but but sometimes you know. Lack of humility is thinking too much about yourself and, and it displays by not having courage. Pride. Not having courage. Because you're thinking about yourself and you're measuring yourself and the challenge of of the thing before you in the light of your own skills and not in the light of God. It can display that way or it can also display an arrogance and pride so that no one wants to hear from you. They don't care what you know. The old proverb no one cares what you know if they don't know that you care oh you can get a lot done through arrogance through uh, organizational prowess through force through money through intimidation but the most important things and the lasting things in life are relational things and relational things cannot get done by arrogance the people issues that matter most to you and if they don't they will The matters about your family, the matters about your friends, your colleagues, or even the important impact you want to make on the lives of strangers and your people yet to meet require humility. Uh, Jim Collins, who wrote From Good to Great, calls this a fifth-level leader. He says, the most powerful transformative executives possess a paradoxical mixture of personal humility and professional will. They are timid yet ferocious shy yet fearless they are rare and they are unstoppable jesus said you know if you've seen this in me go and do this as well first receive it for yourself peter so that you have that sense of how much i love you and and uh, and you have confidence that comes not in you but in me and then take that and demonstrate that also to others so that you will have courage, but also be approachable to those that matter most in your life. And then just to close it up, that last verse cannot be ignored. Verse 17, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Christians, there is no value in knowing more. The world will not be transformed by what Christians know. There is only value in living out this truth. This is the key difference in all of Jesus' stories and illustrations, even in his Sermon on the Mount when he talked about the two guys who built their house, one on the rock and one on the sand. Despite most people who would try to describe what he meant by that story, they would say one was a non-believer, one was a believer. You know, one built on God, one did not. But that's not what the scripture says. It says they both knew God. But the man who built his house upon the rock knew and applied God's truth in his life. The book is not a book of knowledge for the sake of knowledge, for the sake of making you better students in the life of Jesus or understanding the nature of God. You know, I I like how Ralph Waldo Emerson said it. He said, See how the masses of men worry themselves into nameless graves. While here and there, a great unselfish soul forgets himself into eternity. The truly great people in the world. Not about them. It's about what is before them. It's about others. And as they pour themselves into that and lose themselves in it, their greatness comes to them. It's not achieved by them. It's a gift to them for having been humble and lost themselves in their work. If so for the world, how much more so for the Christian? Let me just read one last scripture and no comment. Just apply it in your life, the truth that you see in it. From Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. If you find any encouragement in Christ any consolation in his love for you, if you have security in God's indwelling spirit, if you found any affection, any compassion in God's love for you, then make my joy complete. Be like-minded. Maintain love. Be united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility. with humility. think of the other person as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but for the interest of the other. You should have this attitude which was which is found in Christ Jesus, the epitome of this attitude who, although he was very God of very God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, never claimed his divine power. Although he existed in very nature God, he emptied himself, became a servant, was made in the likeness of mere man, and found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. The result? The world was changed. You were saved, and God accomplished his purpose, and ultimately, God highly exalted him and has bestowed on him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, those in heaven and even those on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Transformative. Amen. Amen.